Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. So you guess an electric comes out of that, your council tax comes out of that, your water comes out of that. If we've heard any particular theme running throughout this podcast, it's that while raising a child can be really wonderful... It can also involve real struggles. It's very difficult. We heard as much in episode one from Kerry in Sheffield. (laughs) Especially when you've got a toddler who goes into a shop and she wants this and she wants that and you're like, well, I can't afford that this week. It makes you feel like, you know, you're letting them down, but there's nothing else you can physically do. And Julian Grenier, the head teacher of Sherringham from episode two, He's no stranger to these kinds of problems because he works in one of London's poorest areas. Of very high levels of social economic disadvantage, poor health, lots and lots of challenges. And the government is spending an enormous amount to try and overcome these challenges. But it isn't necessarily being spent in the right way. As you know, nurseries are closing left, right and centre. The pandemic has put an enormous burden on families. After the COVID, I feel I just sleep all day. I do nothing. What's the purpose of my life? I like these kind of questioning in my mind. And now inflation is making the cost of living ever higher. Food, especially for the newborn babies, milk, and nappies, wipes, those are the things that we've had quite a lot of parents come to us with. That's why in this episode, we're taking on poverty, inequality and the state. What do young children need so that they can flourish? And what do parents need so that they can succeed? From Tortoise and the Nuffield Foundation, this is the third and final episode of Life Changing. Yes, sure. Okay, visitors. Um, Sign in. Now, previously in this series, our reporter Claudia Williams has visited Sheffield and then London. Claudia, where are we this time? So this time we are in Manchester in a suburb called Longsight. Right. And what are we doing there? So I went to visit Longsight Children's Centre, which is a facility that supports families with kids under five years old. And it's this big building set back from the main road on a leafy street surrounded by red brick houses. And like I said, it's a pretty big building because it not only houses the children's centre, but Longsight Nursery too. And then there's also Longsight Primary School right next door. Really? So all three in one place? Yeah, it's actually quite common to find things like nurseries and children's centres together. Um, Sheringham, the nursery we visited last week, is also a children's centre as well. But what's special about Longsight in particular is that facilities are rarely as integrated as this centre. So in this case, they're all under one person's command. 
I'm Roxana Ahmed and I lead the uh, Longside Community Primary School. I'm head teacher. I also lead uh, three children's centres in uh, Manchester, of which one of these is in Longside, and that's where we are this morning. Um, Longside- Roxana really has Longside in her blood. She was born there, she was brought up there, she was even married there, and now she oversees the whole facility. That's um, alongside a woman called Leah Chukamba, who specifically takes charge of the children's centre part. My name is Leah, I'm the head of centre, so I manage the three children's centres in Manchester, alongside being one of them. We work in a diverse community, so we have a lot of families from the Asian background, black minority background, and obviously their needs are totally different because of the stigma that goes on around in the community. According to Leah, their aim is to really meet all of those needs in-house without that stigma being there at all, which means a pretty broad range of stuff that they actually do. We offer the services all the way from when someone is pregnant until the child goes to high school. So this is a real family hub and we're very proud of having a family hub like So I mean, we, we, we start with antenatal services, we do midwifery services, health visiting services and then of course the child is registered here as well as a birth, birth registration and then we start a nursery. Now most school nurseries start at three, our nursery starts at six months and they come straight through our nurseries and they can go straight to our school. So as a sort of a journey for parents, it's really a one-stop shop. It's quite overwhelming, the amount of stuff that you do here. It's amazing. We'd better take a moment to decode what these concepts and services actually are. So let's welcome back our returning expert guest, Kerry Oppenheim from the Nuffield Foundation. It's great to have you here. Why don't we start with children's centres? What are they? So children's centres began as Sure Start local programmes in 1998, and they were really based on international evidence about this very important phase of life from pre-birth to the age of four. And the aim was to create really an integrated experience of services for those families. And it began in poor neighbourhoods. And the idea was very clear that there was open access. So no matter what your circumstances are, if you're in the local area, you can access it. But because they were in poorer neighbourhoods, it meant that it was particularly of benefit for disadvantaged children. So those Sure Start local programmes were then extended into children's centres and the services they offer vary by area. And was there actually research to show that Sure Start changed the success of early childhood? Yes, yes. So we can see long-term impacts of a reduction in the number of children who are going into hospital into their teenage years and with bigger benefits in disadvantaged areas, so less hospitalisations. And uh, the researchers found that that saved up to a third of the upfront costs of Shorestar, so a real benefit. And Kerry, are children sent as the main form of government support for childcare or are there others we should be talking about? Children's centres are part of the things that are on offer for young children. They're funded through the local authority, but they've become a much smaller part of what's on offer. And we've seen some new initiatives just coming out from government, one which is called Best Start for Children. It's in its very early days. And what that's trying to do is join up services from you know, the antenatal stage to the age of two. And we've also seen funding for 75 local authorities to create family hubs. 
We just heard Leah from Longsight called their centre a family hub, but I think with a different context. Yes, so she talked about their children's centre being a family hub because Manchester has taken this very strong whole family approach. Family hubs in the sense of the new initiative that the government announced is not that different. It's really a children's centre, but available for children of all ages with a greater focus on the sort of family part. It feels like there's been a bit of progress and then a bit of dismantling and then a bit of reinventing the wheel. I think that's a very good uh, description of what's happened. So, you know, we had a massive investment from 1998 to 2010. Then we we had the consequences of the financial crash and then we had austerity. And the two big areas where there's been a big retrenchment is funding for local authorities, and that's fed into things like Sure Start and children's centres. And the other area is spending on welfare, on social security benefits, particularly when it comes to families with children. That obviously has very important consequences for how families, the kinds of pressures families are experiencing. In Manchester, I think they're really trying to respond to those pressures with this focus on the whole family. And at Longsight, Roxana said they're trying to support families over the long term, even when the kids are older. For example, a new family comes in, they've got children aged one and two, they've got children aged six, and the outreach work will happily support their application to our school and work with us as a school to make sure that that's done correctly and also get the child into nursery if that's uh, necessary and also get them access to benefits, get them access to housing, get them access to doctors and, and dentists, etc. The parent isn't telling their story several times. They have a, a genuine key worker who finishes when the job is done. What that actually looks like in practice in Longsight is really interesting and Roxana and Leah took me around the centre to have a look. So we are, what's this area called? So this is Ladybird's section? So Ladybird? this section is where we have all our services. So we have studios, we call them studios, and in each studio we have something different happening. So in one of the studios we've got the midwife, another studio is our training room, and then we also have a crash room. So the parents who are doing a course, the children are next door where the crash is. This proximity between the parents and the kids is a really big selling point in Longsight. In our last episode, Kerry, you mentioned how low-income families can get 15 hours free childcare a week for two-year-olds, but that a lot of people don't actually use that free childcare, they don't take it up. And often that's because they don't want to leave their children alone when they're so young. So at Longsight, they have this programme called Stay and Play, and that basically means that the parents can stick around at nursery while the kids are playing um, and they don't need to just drop them off and leave. And the hope is that it encourages parents to use the hours available in a way that they feel comfortable with. This is a really important point because there's been a big drop in the take-up of that free childcare for two-year-olds since COVID. This is exactly the way we should be working. It's sort of working alongside the family to build that trust. And I think one of the most important things that Longsight do, what they prioritise, is providing facilities that really suit and serve the specific families 
that they work with. And these include ESOL classes. ESOL stands for English for Speakers of Other Languages. And that's one of the most important things they think that they provide for these parents. Um, so you can see in there, there's uh, parents doing some courses in there. Um, many, uh, sorry, children's centres do deliver ESOL classes, but often they have to have some level of English in order to access it. And what we do is you don't have to speak English at all. And you can come in and we will teach you the very basics of English just to get you from here to the library, here to the market, get on a bus. This all means that the Children's Centre is catering to both parents and children and you can very literally see that all over the walls. They're full of these colourful displays, each with a different theme. Everything you are seeing here is information that we're trying to give out to the parents. So for example here, we've got a child's t-shirt that to a parent it might look like it's dirty, but actually this child when they come to nursery, parents might think they are just playing, but they are learning. I love this, this is so good. So I'm just going to describe it slightly. But there's a t-shirt attached to the wall. So it's like a little polo deck and it's got loads of different things on it. And where there's a food stain, it has an arrow that says, this lodge is part of my lunch. I'm trying so hard to use a knife and fork correctly when I eat. Um, and then there's another one that says, this black mark was made with a pen. I'm trying so hard to develop my writing and drawing skills. And at the top, there's an explanation that says, I'm sorry that my clothes got dirty today, but it helps to show you what I have been learning. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's really nice. Yeah, so this is what I was talking about. They are not shocked and horrified because we've informed them. They know yeah. that this is what it's all about. And for the first time, they'll say, oh, what happened there? But surprisingly, parents get very used to the fact that their children will come back up to here wet. So the parents get this support in the form of courses and they also have continuous support with the centre as their kids get older. And loads of children's centres around the country do similar things. And it's no surprise then that the parents often develop really strong bonds to these places. My name is Sana Rashid. I'm the mom of three kids and I'm doing volunteer work as well. Just like Lucina, who we heard from last week at Sheringham Nursery, Sana enjoyed her time at Longsite so much she decided to help out. So you're, you've got kids who are here, but you're also volunteering to work uh, yes. here yourself? Yes. Can you tell me about your kids? Yeah, uh, I have a three different ages kids, 12 years, 8, and the uh, youngest one is 4. And all of your kids have come here, yes. and you've come here as well. Yeah, of course, so of course. Been, you, this is quite a big part of your life, this yeah, place. Yeah, this is a big part. I think most of staff members know as well because I'm coming regularly here. It must be so nice to be able to drop them yeah, off somewhere of and know that they're going to have a good time and not have to worry about them. No, never, never. We never think about that because my kids are not safe hand. I know I'm 100% sure I'm the mom and they are a second mom. Like <laughs> They are safe hand because the staff is really, really friendly. And I think the kids settle really quickly. Sana is friendly, she's open and you can see why she'd be really good with kids and this link to Longsight, the friends she's made there, the people she's met, they became a bit of a lifeline for her during the pandemic and Sana was really frank about how difficult things had been for her. I think first few days we feel it's holiday and we all, I think we are okay. But after, they have a really bad impact for me because I feel the stress as well because all day home, we don't go to school, we don't go to job, we don't have nothing. So I think life is so, so boring. I think we start, I personally, I start in depressions now 
then uh-huh. after the covid i really struggled for me to come back the life mm-hmm. actually after the covid i feel like i just sleep all day i do nothing mm-hmm. what's purpose of my life i like these kind of questioning in my mind then i started here again and then we do a well being courses as well for they help us as well and they help to come out from the depression mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight plus enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to bluenile.com. That's bluenile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We've just heard that moving account from Sana, and I think it makes sense to see COVID as one of just the latest of a rolling series of crises that have crashed down on people's lives. Kerry, does that make sense to you? So mental health is definitely a big issue and we know that it has got worse during the COVID pandemic and continues to be a big issue. We also know that depression and anxiety are perhaps surprisingly the most commonly diagnosed illness amongst mothers with a young child. So there's some really difficult issues that need to be tackled, but it's also and closely related to issues of poverty, inequalities, deprivation, housing, health. Let's talk a bit about poverty in detail then. So how big of an issue is childhood poverty today in Britain compared to a previous generation? So over a third of families where uh, there is a young child under the age of five are living in poverty today. And that has increased substantially since 2013. So it's a big issue. And one of the striking things is that we see the rate of poverty for young children being particularly high in larger families. When we say large families, we mean families with three children or more. And part of the reason for that is changes in the economy and so on, but also changes in tax and benefit policies. In particular, there's a policy called the two-child limit, which is where universal credit pays for two children, but not more than two children. What about changing work patterns? Yes, that's a very good point. So we tend to think that poverty is about being out of work, but actually, increasingly, poverty also relates to people who are be, who are in low-paid work, they're in insecure work, they may also be on zero-hour contracts. That growth of insecure work is becoming a, a much more common feature of the experience of families with children. And when you drill down into that third of families who are in poverty, are there different strata within that or some more disadvantaged than others? 
they're big differences in people's risk of being in poverty. So if you look at families who are from ethnic minority backgrounds, they're much more likely to be in poverty. And if we take one group in particular, families of Bangladeshi origin, there are these shockingly high rates of poverty standing at over 70%. And that's a huge number. And then there are other groups that are also at risk. So if you have a child with a disability, you're more likely to be in poverty. Or indeed, if the adult has a disability, again, the same. Or if you're a lone parent, where over half of lone parents are in poverty in the UK today. So what does that all add up to? What are the consequences for young children's lives? So, of course, it has uh, not surprisingly a major impact Um, a direct impact in terms of the things that you can't afford. Children are are going hungry or they're not able to afford a nutritious diet. There's a major issue about housing. We've seen a big increase in private rented sector. So for some families, that means poorer quality housing and also more insecure housing. But there are also indirect impacts of poverty, and those are very important. And so those are the things like poorer physical and mental health and the way in which poverty seeps into relationships. So it's really important that we think not only about the direct impacts of poverty, but also about the indirect ones and how we can support families through that. So, Claudia, is this something that they see a lot uh, alongside? Yeah, absolutely. And all these problems that Carrie's just detailed, it's something that Longsight is trying to deal with. It's not just that they see it, they have to try and come up with a solution to it because they really have become the main point of contact for a lot of families and a lot of those families are struggling. Everything is now becoming costly, electricity, gas, even the food itself. So we are seeing more of our families asking for uh, food from the food banks. And with housing, a lot of our parents are struggling with the state of their housing. And obviously, if it's private rented, our outreach workers have had to speak to the landlords to say this is what's happening, especially families with tiny little babies, newborn babies, to ensure that there is heating in the home. And as I said, Food, especially for the newborn babies, milk, and nappies, wipes, those are the things that we've had quite a lot of parents come to us with. And especially with our, some of our very new to the UK families who don't have recourse to public funds, we have to set them onto that, that path of actually getting some access. Um, so it does, it, it is really, really tricky. And also during the course of the pandemic, as we all know that, you know, domestic abuse and domestic violence was, was on the rise. And we did find that. Longsight were one of the only children's centres open throughout the whole of the pandemic. And in a world of websites and phone calls and Zoom appointments, that in-person contact can be really crucial, especially, like Roxana mentioned, when it comes to cases of domestic violence. I remember a parent needed to speak to me for a length of time and she said, I said I was going to go and buy something and he, he will see that I haven't bought anything. So I gave her a fiver to say, go and buy something. Go and buy something so that you've got something to show for it. I mean, this raises really important points. Um, What we saw is nearly three quarters of local authorities reported an increase in conflict between parents during the pandemic. 
We also know that around half a million children under the age of five in England are living in a family where either there is um, an experience of domestic abuse or that the parent has mental health difficulties or there's an issue of drug or alcohol dependency. And some families are experiencing all of those things. So the role of children's centres, family helps, can be critical in providing that whole family support in very, very difficult circumstances. But it depends on knowledge and trust and understanding between the person who's working in that centre and the parent. Despite everything that they do and everything they're offering these families, things haven't been easy for Longsight either. Could you kind of paint a picture for me about the sector more generally? What were the struggles before the pandemic? What are the struggles now? I'll be honest and say it's funding. And it's not just funding for the early year sector in terms of nursery. It is funding for children's centres as well. I mean, when I started here nine years ago, we had probably about 10 to 15 outreach workers just in the Longsight area. And before the pandemic, and even now, we're looking at two. These limits can come down hard on one of the most important parts of any children's service, the staff. So my name's Selena Hay, I'm a stay and play manager and outreach worker here alongside. I started as a student and then from a student I managed to secure a job in the nurseries they had at the time. And then when the nurseries unfortunately started to dissolve, I applied for another job which was a stay and play manager and the outreach worker and the CAPS worker and I got all jobs. <laughs> I got them all in one so it does get quite manic. <laughs> When I spoke to Roxana, she told me that the centre really values their employees, their who do proud of people like Selena, but they are forced to undervalue them because of their pay. And that has big impacts on recruitment and on retention. And Selena, for her part, is feeling the pressure. But she says what keeps her going is how important she feels her job is. I think people um, have that kind of outlook on a, a short start centre or a children's centre as just poor people, you know, people who aren't working and people who are just, you know, generally struggling in life. But actually, because of COVID and now this new kind of struggle and that's happening, we're seeing people who had businesses, who have had been working for many, many years and actually just don't know the benefit system because they hadn't had to use it previously. But some people have lost businesses, lost their jobs, and they've had to have now, you know, luckily come to this service and are really, really grateful for it, to be honest. But it is a lot of work and I feel that we are going to need some, maybe, you know, more staff. I think people are leaving just because they know what outreach used to look like five, six years ago. I'll stay, definitely. Heroic work, but you can't get away from the fact they they feel undervalued. Well, that's exactly right. So more than two-fifths of that workforce had to claim state benefits on top of their 
you know, very low wages. So it's not surprising that people leave to do other things. And yet, as you say, they're doing such important, pivotal work. I think we underestimate the value of care, whether that's care workers or whether that's parents. So Kerry has a really simple question. Do these places just need more money? Uh, Yes, they do need more money. So there is a funding question in relation to the early years. But it's not only about money. It is also about what we spend money on and how we organise services. At the moment, the way in which you access services as a family with a young child is really difficult. You've got to navigate lots of different systems. You might have to give information many times. It's not organised around the family and the child, except in some of the local areas that we've just seen are doing brilliant work or some of the children's centres are doing brilliant work. So, you know, what would the UK look like if we actually began with the child and the family, both at very local levels? How do we bring those services together? Right the way up to how we organise government departments in the, the middle of Whitehall. How do we provide a set of services that go from really light touch information guidance to something that might be really quite intense working with a family for a you know quite a period of time to help them you sound quite frustrated it it well i think it is frustrating you know the information is highly complex if we just take childcare it is really difficult to navigate the system. It depends on the age of the child. It depends on your income. It depends on whether you're working or not, whether there are any special needs. So it's not surprising that often some parts of the system don't have the kind of take-up that we would want and needs to happen if we're going to make a difference to children's lives, especially for the most disadvantaged. And is it a obvious thing to say that the people who have the greatest need are often getting the least? Exactly. So a couple of really simple questions. What can the state do to help? The state can certainly make a real difference, both, I think, by setting a vision for early childhood as being important and that we need a strategy and to link those services and to fund them properly. So you could begin with family hubs. Family hubs are a good thing. But at the moment, the commitment is for half of local authorities and the funding is much less than the funding that there was for Sure Start Children's Centres at their height. So we have the sort of foundation stones. And then I think, you know, a key thing that government needs to do is recognise the importance of poverty in young children's lives and the way that that impacts on their welfare and their future life chances. And what about employers? Employers play a really important role in terms of thinking about how do we create the kind of part-time jobs that people want to stay in and progress in that men and women can do and combine with childcare. So they also have a vital role. What gives you hope? Small children, their creativity, their playfulness, their their resilience in many ways and sort of alongside that you can see you know huge commitment from people who work with young children and parents and carers who keep things together often in really hard circumstances so I take sort of real inspiration from that and and I think also that we can see a lot of initiatives going on because we could wait 
for a long time for government to act. It doesn't mean that we can't do anything. We can do many things. This has been the final episode of our show. If you want to read more about Nuffield's research, you can go to nuffieldfoundation.org. And if you've enjoyed this series, I think there's a great chance you'd like a lot of what we do at Tortoise, our investigations, podcasts and live events. To become a Tortoise member, go to tortoisemedia.com forward slash invite and use the code DAVE50 for 50% off membership. Life Changing has been a tortoise podcast in partnership with the Nuffield Foundation. It was produced by Phil Sansom, reported by Claudia Williams, and presented by me, David Taylor. Special thanks to Kerry Oppenheim, and thank you very much for listening. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.